Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe. I'm Jordan. I'm Micah. And we exist to prove people wrong when they say sequels are never better than the originals. What a polished intro. Thank you very much. And thank you to you. Yep. Uh, my, I don't know, we don't say this often, but maybe, just maybe, you're out there and you are new to this podcast and you go, what does that have to do with Macaw? That's our last name, everybody. Yep. And we're married. That's true. And guess what else? Sometimes, occasionally it happens, happened to me this weekend, and it's, it's okay. I, I do like answering these questions, but we have very simple rules on this. People will go, would you ever cover this series? Would you ever cover this series? Etc. It's very simple. It's got to have three entries, and they've got to be theatrical releases. With a tiny asterisk. Yeah, we did do a Netflix series, um, but that was during COVID, and uh, we kind of just wanted to do it, which was uh, Fear Street. So and there was it was a fun concept. Of yeah, how they released it. Yeah, it was. Um, so there's that. And and the other thing, sometimes we'll get questions like, "Hey, if you ever did Rocky, how would would you do Creed? Would you do? Yeah, it's all a series, baby. Mm-hmm. We established this with the with uh, the MCU. We do the series within the series. We're not just gonna do, you know, we're not just gonna do Creed. How could you understand Creed without Rocky? You know, you gotta have the Sylvester along with your Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> but having said that, we're not talking about Creed or Rocky. No. I just recently saw it. That's how far back we recorded this. And that means we can't be selective. If we're going to cover X-Men like we are right now, we got to watch yes. all the good Thank ones you. along with all the bad ones. Yes. And uh, so quick recap for the listener. You have the X-Men movies with the original cast. Uh, Hugh Jackman will go on to continue being Wolverine throughout both casts. And then you have the reboot series with X-Men First Class going all the way to Days of Future Plast, yeah. which then creates a timeline divergent where they can then make new movies. Do whatever the cuss they want. Yes. And so this is the this is the 12th X-Men movie proper, but the fourth movie in the reboot movies. Um, and I believe it's the seventh movie that's like an actual X-Men movie. Oh, Jordan's, I love classifying. I should have well, been a zoologist. Like, how, I, would ne- I would never figure this out. I yeah. actually still haven't, I haven't made much of an effort to figure it out during this time watching these X-Men movies. But I, because there have been some series we've gone into where it's like, I'm finally going to get down all the Star Wars titles, which has yeah. always been a struggle for me. Going into X-Men, it's been pretty blase for me. For me, it's like, let's just get through it. Let Okay, so pop quiz. Oh, no. Pop quiz, X-Men. What are the titles of the movies? X-Men. Yes. X2. Uh-huh. Oh, no. X3. <laughs> no, I wish it was called X3. The Last Stand. Yeah, X-Men, X-Men The Last, the Last Stand. Stand. That still counts, of course. And then X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yes. And then Days of Future Pass? No, no, no. No. I don't know. Uh, then it goes to f- the reboot movie, which is What's called... What's the reboot movie? With the first one with James McAvoy. Oh, I, I meant First Class. Did I say First Class? I no, said you Days said of Days of Future, Future Pass. I meant First Class. Oh, you though. did? Okay. First Class, and then we get... And then we get Wolverine in between? Yeah. And then Days of Future Past. Yep. And then Apocalypse. I think Deadpool is before, but, you know, 
We're splitting hairs. Deadpool doesn't even care. Um, <laughs> he doesn't. So then, whatever I just said, Apocalypse, and technically now this movie. Yeah, and Logan, and Deadpool oh, 2. But I know that you know that those, you know. Okay, so you did good. Don't ask me. One more question. In theatrical release order, what are the names of the Star Wars movies? You just have you just have to get their subtitles. Star Wars Episode Four. Oh. A New Hope. Okay, yes. Ding. Empire Strikes Back. Ding. Um. Uh, Re- Revenge of the Sith. Return of the Jedi. Ding. Okay, so then we're on to the prequels. Yes. So, Episode <laughs> One is. Um. I really don't know which one's Attack of the Clones. That's the second one. Attack of the Clones Ding. is the second one. Uh-huh. And then the third one's Revenge of the Sith. Ding! What's the first one? It does have the most unmemorable title, which is why you're... Oh, I genuinely can't think of it. Phantom Menace. Oh. I kind of like that title, though. I like the title as well, but when you watch the movie, you're like, huh? Who's the <laughs> Phantom and who's menacing? Um, And then we have Force Awakens... Yep. Um, and then there was a spinoff movie. Rogue One. Yep. Um, the Last Jedi. Oh, yeah. Solo, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Oh, you so got it. Now, I'm, I'm so, folks, maybe this is boring. Maybe it's not, but here we go. Qu- pop quiz on Micah, Harry Potter. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Chamber of Secrets. Prisoner of Azkaban. Goblet of Fire. Um... Uh, Order of the Phoenix, Half-Blood Prince, Deathly Hallows 1, Deathly Hallows 2, Fantastic Beasts, Fantastic Beasts, Grindelwald fights the idiots, Fantastic Beasts 3, uh, Dumbledore got all damn secrets. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, are, those are tough, too. But actually, they're very strange, so it's just hard to get the order, but I got the order down. I feel like, and I, I, for me, they're not hard to remember because they're titles of books. Mm-hmm. And like I, I feel like with some of the Star Wars, it's just thrown together. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I with with Harry Potter, the the titles are great because they they're, they they're encapsulating the children's story. Yeah, and and the they thing. they're they're actually like, oh, which one is Chamber of Secrets? It's the one where they discover the Chamber of Secrets yep. or the prison. You know, like they all really describe it, where it's like the Phantom Menace. You could probably name any Star Wars movie the Phantom Menace, and it would work. Yeah. You know. Huh. But we're here to talk about <laughs> Dark Phoenix Dark today. Dark Phoenix, yes. So um, right off the bat, folks, you're going to want to listen to this episode because all you've heard about is, oh my gosh, Dark Phoenix, that, that movie's terrible, terrible, terrible. Critics and fans alike. And while I do not disagree with that sentiment, here is the hot take. It's the best of the four X-Men, new X-Men movies. Like kind of easily, which is sad because this. Okay, wait. But so the new four. Let's go back. Let's go back. Yeah, yeah. That's first class. Yeah. Days of Future Past. Yeah. Apocalypse. Apocalypse, and this is the fourth one. Yeah. Okay. It's it is like head and shoulders better than those. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Some of those have some cooler sequences, like the Quicksilver stuff in those movies is much cooler. But overall, it sucks. But like the stories are just awful. Yeah. And. uh this one kind of is way better, but that that is not to say that I think this is a good movie. 
This is still probably like, like if you compare this to any of the other X Men movies, it's definitely worse than Origins, all the original three, Deadpool. But I will say a good indication is you and I didn't talk that much during the movie (laughs) compared to the other three. We actually didn't. We were we were pretty into it. We were pretty like tracking with what was happening. Again, have issues. Yeah, I wouldn't say I was pretty into it, but yeah, but for for me, it's like. There have been several movies in the series, probably the, those other three movies, where I am like ripping my hair out. Yeah, really mad at uh, ourselves for having this podcast. <laughs> Didn't feel that way watching this movie, yeah. not even a little bit. Um, yeah. So here, here is what is strange and crazy. So this is the directorial debut of Simon Kinberg. Now we've talked about him often in the series. He's he's produced. I believe all of the movies, and he's been a writer on several of the movies. Um, I I think several being the original three movies, and um, I did not checking my notes though. But I I know I know the 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 really important thing is I know he wrote X Men: The Last Stand. He's one of the writers. So this is his second take on Phoenix, the Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Now again, okay. I think we talked about this in our Last Stand episode, but let's mention it again. The Dark Phoenix saga is one of the like great Marvel comics runs. This this is like if you put down a hundred uh, people that read Marvel comics and know their history and say what are the best runs, this will probably be in the top ten for all of them. Maybe How the long top is this five. Uh, years long. Okay, and then secondly, remind me and the listeners why this is not your favorite. Um. Comic book wise, yeah, yeah. So I, it is great. Um, it just doesn't. It, it just doesn't quite connect with me. Um, there's a lot of like interstellar, galactic, cosmic stuff going on that um, just doesn't really come together, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot of. I, I know this is like blasphemous, but Chris Claremont is like the X Men writer, and. I've read some Chris Claremont comics that are amazing. That you wouldn't believe. Yeah, like Days of Future Past. Love. He he's written so many, but I think he has a tendency to and I I mentioned this in another episode. He has a tendency to like you know, you have two pages left and you flip the page and then someone's like, "Oh yeah, let's do that thing that was never established or discussed." And then oh. we solved it. And and I think he does that like far too often. Oh, okay. But um yeah, the Dark Phoenix storyline, the 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 basic story of it is pretty awesome, um, and it's it's pretty great. I I think part of it too is like an expectation thing where mm-hmm. I had been told like this is mm-hmm. basically like this is the Godfather of Marvel comics, and then I read it and I was like I like most Spider Man comics better than this, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, yeah, and maybe there's just personal preference in there as well. Yeah, because there's this whole thing with Charles being in love with, like, this alien lady and stuff, and it was just kind of... I felt like it always bogged the story down whenever yeah. it went to them, too. Well, I guess it's a good thing two times around they didn't include something like that. Well, not according to everybody else, <laughs> because nobody that's likes so- this movie. Oh, but that's, is that something people have specifically said? Oh, I I don't I don't know. I haven't seen they that. They do some but- interesting Charles stuff in this movie that they have not done with other movies. I wish that they went farther with it. Yeah, wh- like what? Well, okay, well, especially in the beginning of the movie, the first part of it, Mystique is really criticizing him for, like, making the X-Men just be, like, trophy superheroes. 
and he's just yeah. being a yes like he's just being the yes man to all to like non-mutants yeah because he wants to be in the good favor of the president and the public and kind of the sac- president has an x phone in this movie so it can't be all bad no <laughs> but like he he's she's criticizing him for maybe showing favor to non-mutants when mutants aren't shown any favor at all because they're yeah. still being persecuted and stuff um and throughout like throughout the movie we get to a point okay mystique dies spoiler alert and nicholas holt is now like i see what she was talking about now charles like you yeah. all you do is push us to be superheroes mm-hmm. paraphrasing and i i like that stuff i don't think that they they didn't convince me that charles was doing that they should have they no. could have done <laughs> way freaking more with showing us uh, having like having Charles like maybe they're making them do these photo shoots, doing these interviews, doing press. Oh, that makes the movie like ten percent better. Just doing oh, just all what these you like just uncomfortable, interesting things where they're like a sports team, yeah, who have the who are under contract to do all of these this press that oh, they don't want to do. That's a good idea, Jordan. And, <laughs> and it reminded me of like because you had told me in the comics Charles is not a very likable person. No. He's um really conceited and like I'm smarter than everybody. Yeah. But in the movies, he's very wise old man. Yeah. You Patrick like... Stewart brought that to the role. He did. And I think that James McAvoy continues that. Yeah. I do like that element. I, I do think McAvoy is a little more comic booky in terms of because I think he's Yeah, he... they they get into that more in Days of Future Pass as well. Yeah. Um, but I think that they had an opportunity to sh- to dig more into that comic book version of yeah. him being conceited and like they do want us now. Let's why wouldn't you guys want to do all these press things? Yeah, they love us, and it's like no, we're just mascots. Yeah, I just I wish they hit that way harder in this movie because it's just like because then it gets to a point where Charles is like, I see that you guys are right now. Like I failed in this way, and it's like I don't did you. Yeah. Not I, like not in the not really. two hours of this movie that yeah. we have. It's like you saved astronauts. That was cool. <laughs> Pretty important. No, no human could do that. Yeah, it's so, like they lived. I think they could have done way better with that. And I wonder if any of that made might have been cut or something. Yeah, but yeah. Well, there's so there's a lot of issues that plague this movie, and we, we're going to be talking about them. But um, I, I before we do that, um. So Simon Kinberg, director, and he's the only writer on this movie. Wow. Um, which I think is the first time on any of the like X-Men team movies uh-huh. that it has just one uh, one uh, person. Uh, then the cinematography is by um, Mero, Mauro Fiore. Uh, the music, so here was something. A little bit into this movie, I was like, the music to this is pretty awesome. And I was digging it, and I was like, this is crazy. This is going to be one of my things where I'm going to be like, yeah, but the who cares? Like, who cares if the movie's bad? We got a great score out of it. And uh, guess who did it? Who? Hans Zimmer. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I saw that, and I was like, oh, of course I really liked it. Um, who, if you'll recall, after Batman v Superman, he was like, I'm done doing superhero movies. I'm not going to do it anymore. So what's the what's the give? But then he came back for Wonder Woman. He came back for oh. this, and then um, I guess Ron Howard was talking with him, and he was like, "You shouldn't really just write off a whole genre of movies. You should just maybe be more particular about what you <laughs> choose." Very like 
sound advice. Yeah. <laughs> and then um and then he 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 found the the story to be compelling and interesting enough that he signed on to do the movie. That's why you should take any job, right? Yeah. So I thought that was funny, and uh, I think it's another banger Hans Zimmer score. Yeah, it was good. The The themes he wrote for Gene in particular were awesome. I really enjoyed it. Um, the movie comes out September 7th, 2019, so it has a $200 million budget, and domestically in the U.S. it makes $65 million. $200 billion budget? Yeah. Okay, that's and, not much. And worldwide, remember, $200 million budget, don't forget about how advertising is not included in that. Worldwide, the movie makes $252 million. Eesh. That is the nail in the coffin. In the coffin? <laughs> in the coffin of X-Men, yeah. for sure. Um, so, okay, so there was an uncredited Bad Hat Harry producing which is Brian Singer's company, mm -hmm. but he was going through his sexual assault allegations. So mm -hmm. that's weird. I've never heard of an uncredited producer. No. Um, in, in this way, because yeah. it was like the production company. Um, but Zach Penn and Simon Kinberg, who were the writers on X3, The Last Stand, mm -hmm. were unhappy with the, with the adaption. That's funny. And so they- I mean, it's, a lot of people are unhappy with it, right? Yeah. Um, I so like that movie. I, I like it too. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's not perfect. No. It's a pretty dang good movie. It's probably your favorite of the X-Men proper movies, right? Well, X2, it's just because of Nightcrawler. It'll always be yeah. the number one. Well, but X2 is the best one. But I, I that, do kind of think that I like the story better out of any of them in X3. Yeah. Um, And the proper. Yes, yes. I mean, we're not going to argue that any of these movies are better than Logan. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's definitely going to be the number one on both yeah. of our lists. Unless New Mutants next week really sweeps us away. And I've been hearing great things. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, after Apocalypse, Brian Singer was interested in making another one. I don't know how this man keeps getting work, um, but the movie was uh, seen as a disappointment critically and box office wise. It was like two. It made like two hundred million less than Days of Future Past. So, Apocalypse. Yeah. It still like made some money, but was not good by any means. And so I mean, I'm I'm reading into this. I'm reading between the lines. I think the studio's like, maybe we should pump the brakes on Brian Singer. Part ways. Yeah. Um, and then also McAvoy, Fastbender, Lawrence, and Holt, all their contracts are over now. Oh. So they're sitting around here and they're like, what are we gonna do with the, the X-Men movies now? But Kinberg starts writing this movie, and then he's he becomes like, you know what? I'm gonna direct it, and and I think I think originally people that kind of was good word of mouth where it was like the writer is so passionate about this he is gonna direct this movie. Oh, you know, so there I I remember and he's there, like they, he gets to do it a second time. This is his second pass. Yeah, so I remember there being a bit of a like, oh, this could be good. Yeah, and then once the footage started coming out and like we were hearing about all these reshoots and stuff, then everyone's like, uh-oh. Um, and so around this time, like, after Apocalypse, the Gambit movie that was supposed to star Channing Tatum loses, doesn't start production. It was oh. it was going to start production, doesn't start it. And oh, it, Channing Tatum. <laughs> and it loses its director, Doug Lyman. Okay. Um, so, boom, that's out. They start working on Run this for movie. for you, buddy. 
Um, they start working on this movie, and um, Ty Sheridan had a quote on how this movie used to end. So it ended differently. Okay. And I actually didn't read this. I just pulled up his quote. So he said, it's really hard for me to remember what the ending of this movie is. Originally, it was scripted that Charles and Scott go to the UN because, man, I'm totally going to mess this up. They go to the UN because they're going to try to tell the president that, hey, we're under attack by aliens, and they've now captured Jean Grey, or, you know, whatever it is that we're going to tell them. And then Jean comes down in the front of the UN and causes, there is this huge battle between the guards at the UN and Jean Grey, and all the guards turn out to be scrolls. They would have gotten to it first, right? No, Captain Marvel already came out. Well. Oh, okay. And then Gene and Scott are, Scott is fighting scrolls in the fountain. He gets thrown into the fountain in front of the UN, and then Gene comes down and basically fights all the scrolls off and then, bla- and then blasts off into space. She basically says goodbye to Scott and Charles, and then it's all over, I guess. Because this movie was going to come out in November of 2018. November 2nd, 2018, which would have been before Captain Marvel. And then Captain Marvel comes out and they had to push this movie because of reshoots and because this movie's coming out and they get they scrap the scroll. Do you think thing. that they knew that Captain Marvel was going to have scrolls before the movie came out? Like what how do you think it works with Marvel owning stuff, Fox owning stuff that are all Marvel things? Uh Disney owning Marvel, I mean. I- and like they can use they can both use scrolls. Like, is it, should they, uh, like, in good faith, let the other people know? So I think they would have both had rights to use scrolls independent of each other because yes. they both appear in both comics. Yes. Um, but having said that, um, I think that they were just like, oh, I'm going to use the scrolls. And then I'm sure they found through the grapevine. I mean, because this is part of why they had to reshoot the ending. Yeah. And, and, and had to push it not to not release it in November of that year. So I think that they're probably like, you know, in the summer of 2018 or maybe even earlier because there would have been a trailer by then. And they're, Fi- I don't think Feige's going to like not tell them about it, especially when Disney is acquiring Fox around this time. So, um, yeah, and, and just in case you didn't know, folks, Disney acquires Fox and they officially get them in 2019, I believe. But like they've been, they're working on it in these years. So I think... You know, by the time by the time fall rolls around, they're probably scheduling reshoots and have a new ending written because they're like, well, that's the entire Captain Marvel movie. Our movie just ends with the scrolls. We can just rewrite the ending. Hmm. So, but it does that does add to the fact that like this movie, the the villains are just complete nothings. No, they're they suck. They're the worst part of the movie. And and you can see how like they're definitely neutered. Yeah. Um, I don't know that making them scrolls actually would make it any better, but um, it'd be something. It feels like there's nothing for them. You take them out of the movie, and it doesn't change that much. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, but then we're going to rewind to December of 2017. Kinberg revealed that the film would be in post-production for almost a year, longer than usual for the series because he wanted to take the time to have the visual effects look right by focusing on the nuance of the effects rather than the scale. Just want to point that out because this movie doesn't look all that good effects-wise. There are some... Okay, effects-wise, no. There are some not great moments. Yeah. Kind of a lot. But some of them 
are like, man, if you could have done it right, I think yeah. it would have looked cool and comic booky. But it did look them, better than Apocalypse for sure. Absolutely. It, but like, there's a fine line between like you were kind of laughing at the effects, and then like, whoa, that's pretty cool. That looked like a panel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I do, I do like how the movie was shot. Sure, I I could see that. Uh, well, especially as opposed to the other movies, I feel like this one had, it just felt different than the other movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm holding my tongue because I have some other. Yeah. I, I but I I don't think you're necessarily wrong. Um, so then then they they push the release to February fourteenth of two thousand nineteen. Um, this is because of routine reshoots, and then they did a test screening, and you know they had to juggle everyone's schedule. Everyone's so famous now, getting everyone's schedule. So that's normal but then they delay it to June 7th 2019 and then that's finally the date. So three reschedules. That's not super common especially pre-covid. Maybe mm-hmm. one reschedule but three that's not a good sign. Um that's not quite like new mutants which I think rescheduled like five or six oh, times. Oh gosh, yeah. Which we'll talk about next week. Um but a lot of people at Fox were laid off due to this Merger. Acquisition. I keep calling it a merger, but it's an acquisition. Oh, okay. Uh, and some of those people were in a department called the advertising department. Oh, okay. And marketing department. Okay. So this movie was not advertised super well. Uh, and a lot of people think that's another reason why this movie didn't do well. So so we're seeing how like the cards are kind of stacked against this movie, even if it was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um uh, we can guesstimate that it probably lost $133 million. Bad. Um, a couple of extra things here would have been the first in a new trilogy. Simon Kinberg was planning. Uh, there was a moment in time when it would have been a two part movie. Okay. Um, and then after the acquisition, they cut scenes from new mutants and dark Phoenix that would have set up sequels for both movies. Okay. Um, at the end of the day, pretty smart. Yeah. And then it was reported in March 2019 that Feige had spoken to a lot. Oh, no, I jumped the gun on this. Yeah, well, okay, so in March of 2019, it's reported. We don't know that Feige, this after the acquisition, was talking to original X-Men actors, which would mean that they're probably going to bring them over to the MCU. But set that aside, let's listen to the man himself, the creator of Dark Phoenix, had this to say about the movie. My problem with both iterations of Dark Phoenix on screen, the original by Brett Ratner and the newer version by Simon Kenberg is, I don't think you can do it effectively in 90 minutes. You can tell a good story in that time frame, which I think Simon did, but it's not the evocation of the story that Dave and John and Paul and I created. It doesn't have the impact of knowing the characters and their dynamics and building to it conclusively in this narrative way. The challenges in terms of canon like X-Men... It's more like Harry Potter and Hogwarts or Game of Thrones. It needs time and space to evolve and to bring the reader or viewer in and give them a result that's worth the investment of that time. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Having, having read it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and especially with, you know, it it makes it sound like I don't like the Dark Phoenix saga. It's, I like it. It's, I, it's just not my favorite or anything like that. But, um, yeah, it's like you have time to, especially between Scott and Gene 
you know, under like see their love for each other. So when, you know, when they're forced to kill her, it's or or however it ends. I don't really remember how it ends, but you know, she dies in some form. I I think they have to kill her if I remember correctly. Um, and it it hurts more because it's like there's an actual connection and and this one I think. I think you 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 know you're the whole movie you're like can Sophie really pull this off like the actress playing mm-hmm. Jean you know and 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 we've only seen her in like half a movie before mm-hmm. and so when she does make the turn it's not it's not quite as dramatic and we haven't seen her like I think James Marsden and um Framke I think um they they had more chemistry and they they did spend more time on screen so that it felt to me like there was more there, even mm. though you know they kill off Marsden off screen and do some weird stuff in that movie. That doesn't Fam-K make sense. Jansen, Famke. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but but I I agree with that report. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, so basically, this is the nail in the coffin for X Men, and then to to kind of hint at next week's episode, then they just have an X-Men project just sitting on the shelf that's already filmed that Disney has no interest in, you know? Yeah. And and I think that's another big big problem with this movie is I think I think there would have been a better movie had this acquisition not happened mm-hmm. because I think they would have been able to see there's just things in this movie and scenes that are, you know, weirdly edited and like there's just maybe not weirdly edited but like some of the effects and stuff like that where it just feels like if if a studio was interested in making more of these they would have spent more time to like fix some of these issues Mm -hmm. or like maybe push it back another time Mm -hmm. but but this i think they're like let's just put it in a slot where there's no other movies competing so that it can just come out make as much money as possible without us doing too much work and then we can just wipe our hands clean of this Mm -hmm. So that leads to you though on actors. Who do we have? Who do we have? Um not a lot of new people. We've covered Jessica Chastain. Huh? Haven't we? When? I don't know. So Jessica Chastain is in this movie or is she? Oh. Um she is in Zero Dark 30, Molly's Game of a Most Violent Year, Interstellar. And so much more. Three, the three five five. How could anyone forget? <laughs> um, Scott Shepard plays John Gray, Jean Gray's dad. He is in Bridge of Spies. Jason Bourne. Jason Bourne. Okay, but like, that's the f- fifth movie. Oh, side effects. He's in The Last of Us, I guess. Um. And a lot of other stuff. And El Camino, like you said. Mm-hmm. Who else is worth talking about? Uh, do we really have anybody Young Jean else? Jean is played by Summer Fontana. Not Hannah Montana. Summer, Summer Fontana. Fontana. Um, she is in The Outsider, the show. Okay. Art, the one we watched. Yes. Yeah. Um, the originals. Some voice acting in some kids' shows. Legacies. The Magicians. Okay. But that is about it. I guess this guy is kind of in the movie Edo Esando, who plays Jones. He's like the other guy, the other bad guy who has lines. Yeah. Um, who is so forgettable. 
Um, he's also in Jason Bourne, as well as Garden <laughs> State, Blood Diamond. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I, I don't know. It's just kind of funny. Two, two Jason Bourne alumni reuniting once again. Let the right one in the, like, American show. Show? Yeah. There's a show? It came out last year. Oh. It's on Showtime, so only okay. old and rich people saw it. <laughs> um, and a lot of other stuff. But that, I mean, most other most other players in this movie we've covered just about all. Okay, so I mean, does that mean we dive right in? Yeah. Um, big complaint off the bat that I did not realize until the end of the movie. Okay. So, the, so this movie st- starts, and we're, we see our players, our main squad. And I, I think I said like, oh my gosh, we're gonna get Evan Peters in the whole oh, movie. Yeah, yeah. That's so exciting. And then by the end of the movie. He like randomly is there again, mm. and I'm like, oh my gosh, he was barely in this movie. They yeah, tricked yeah. me, because I think he got, but they never really made it clear. And you know, when I was researching this movie, I saw him referred to as, um, and returning is fan favorite Evan Peters. So people like him. It Why would you not put him in the movie more? I wonder if they just, with all of their redoing stuff, fixing stuff, they just ha- ended up having to cut a lot of this stuff. I don't know, man. I mean, he's absolutely a side character, but like, he's like he, the only person that pulls off humor in this in these he's so four good. movies. What a waste! Yeah. What a waste! Um, so that's a big complaint I have right off the bat. He he is maybe the I, I would like fresh faces when they do X Men and MCU, but he's someone where I'd be like, okay, you can have him. Although I guess he has died because Aaron Taylor Johnson played him in. Avengers Ultron. They he is just, in WandaVision. Yeah. But clearly as like another version of him, right? Well, he turns out to be an actor. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. An, al- an actor named Ralph Boner. No. Yep. No. Yep. They say that in the show? Yep. It's Ralph Boner. How is it spelled? I think it's B-O-H-N-E-R. But they say his name. He says his name and everything. You don't remember that? No, I don't. Okay. It's in there. <laughs> okay. It is definitely in there. Um, Who sends him in? I don't remember. But he's like working. He's like trying to get her to wake up or something. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. I don't mean this in a bad way, but convoluted plot point number B sends him in. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so here's a, here's a funny thing about this series. I think it's funny that they like really, it's funny when series like latch onto things that nobody really cares about. So it's funny that they were like, yeah, what everybody loves about these new X-Men movies is they take place in preceding decades. I really just think they've content they just shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. And and now on on the one hand, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give them credit because this does kind of reflect comics because comics will reference real life events. And it's like Spider-Man lived through like the Kennedy assassination and all that stuff. But also, you know. He, like, was at the World Trade Center, and he was still a teenager. You know what I mean? Or, like, in college or whatever. And so they kind of, like, have this weird, like, where they live everywhere and nowhere at once. Yeah, because you brought up at one point in the movie when Magneto finally shows up. You were, like, by the... In terms of timeline, he would be, like, a 70-year-old man. Yeah, because this... So this movie takes place in 1992, and I thought, if we're being generous, he, he, he had to be, like, 10, right, when he was in... But he's definitely Auschwitz? not. That kid is not 10. The actor is not 10. 
Like, like, not the like ad- younger or older, older than 10. Okay. That but, kid, so, that kid looks like he's like 14. Okay. So if I'm being generous, he's 10 years old. And if I'm being generous, it's toward the end of the war, 1944, we'll say. And so 1944, so 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, he'd have to at least be, uh, 60, almost 60 in, in, in this movie. And all the other characters are like the same age ish, and so everybody like like Hank McCoy, he should be sixty. Like mm-hmm. everyone should be sixty except for like Scott and Gene, mm-hmm. and maybe Quicksilver, and Nightcrawler. Yeah, so that's kind of funny. It's really not a big deal, but it's just funny that they were like, "Yeah, this one will take place in the '90s," and then they probably would have been like, "We're gonna do one in the 2000s next," and <laughs> you know, and it's like. Nobody asked you to do this. Yeah. Um, and this movie like didn't feel like it had any nineties nineties to it at all. So it felt like I don't know why you had to do it in this decade. Uh, I think they had to justify at least like to Gene and Scott's age and like using those same actors, mm. like the like the young actors. Yeah, I, and they just threw nineteen eighty two on there, but then we're like, okay, now we can move forward. <laughs> yeah, because it's basically kind of modern looking. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the movie starts with a young Jean in the back of a car. It's, yeah, their parents. On, on the back roads with her parents. And um, she, I, I, this is when her powers are discovered. Yeah. And she can't control them. She's hearing everyone's thoughts. So she's screaming for people to be quiet. But she's also like controlling things. She has no idea like how to do it or anything. Causes a car accident. Her yeah. Her, causes her mom to fall asleep and have a car accident. Or yeah. Praise off the bat. I'm gonna say I thought this car accident for the millions of car accidents we've seen on screen. I thought it looked pretty interesting and kind of original looking. Yeah, I thought so too. It looked good. And I was kind of like, you know, because when you go into these movies that everyone says are bad and you see something good, you're kind of like. Ah, crap. Am I going to have to fight everybody on this movie? Because <laughs> I was like, okay, this is pretty... I, I'm kind of compelled right off the bat. Looks uh, good. Yeah. Um, Loses her parents. Parents. Out of the picture. She's Bruce Wayne in it. She's she's straight up Wayne in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Oops, going to have to edit that huge peak. Uh, Professor X comes to the hospital and is like... I'm here to help you. You're my child now. Come with me if you want to live. Um, adopts her. Yeah, pulls a real Terminator. Yeah, takes her to the school of youngsters, where she still knows that, like, she as a child is like, I killed, like, I killed my parents. I'm responsible. I'm broken. And he tells her, no one's broken. Yeah, yeah. I, I like... thought the child actor was good. Yeah. No. I. I, I mean, I, all of this stuff I thought was really good actually yeah um yeah i i i think we'll maybe we can get to the maybe we could talk about it now um we we find out later in the movie that charles lied to her and that her father is actually alive yeah he did not die in the car because he didn't want his daughter so he was like protecting her from that yeah the pain of that memory of knowing she was abandoned okay so i guess i was a little confused and I know the movies aren't all dependent on each other, yeah. but in the, in X-Men, the last stand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, an alternate she, timeline, but yes, yes. Alternate timeline. But in terms of the similarities, uh, 
Professor X says that he he built walls in her mind to protect her from herself. And he in that movie they made it clear that like there is a deeper power within her. Yeah. That is uncontrollable and that's what he's protecting her from. Yeah. And this movie, it does not sound like that. No, it is that. Okay, I don't think they explained it well. They did explain it in the Cerebro scene. It, but to me, it felt like... I, I, I feel like it was just a little blasé. Okay. On explaining. But if you're tracking with it, it's probably just me. Yeah, I, maybe you just missed it. I feel like they were actually pretty clear about it. Because the, okay. he, he's talking about him. And that's that's part of where Mystique is like, you can't do that. Like, you're putting blocks in her, her mind and stuff like that. And, and he says something... And I'll find it when we get there, but he, it's just it's that to me thing. Yeah, but but he blocks out her memory of her father in addition to like trying to keep that power at bay. Okay. Um, and and that's like I'm curious, just curious. Yeah, did this happen in the comic books? Her parents, like she's responsible for their death or her mom's death? I don't remember. Okay, just curious. Yeah. Because if this guy gets a second pass on this storyline, and then the f- the first time he did it, this isn't part of it. So right. that's just interesting to know. I feel like I don't think that that happened. Okay. But but also, I mean, this is the thing with comic books, too, where it's like maybe in the Dark Phoenix storyline, like I don't remember there being any reference to her parents, but maybe in the 90s someone wrote a great story sure. that involved finding out that she killed her parents and then this writer's like, oh, I like both of these things. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's that's the thing where, you know, that's why sometimes it's hard to discuss comics with people because sometimes it's like, did that happen or did it not yeah, happen? Well, and yeah. you're like, some writer probably wrote it yeah. <laughs> at this point. Um, but, yeah, I, I just wasn't sure how I felt about, like, the catalyst of the movie being that he just pulled, like, a romantic comedy and, like, didn't tell or something. But maybe it's still good. Maybe it's fine. I just wasn't sure if I liked that element of it. I guess I don't know why he felt he needed to protect her from that. Other than it obviously being very painful. Yeah. It it seems, um, kind of seems like a not Charles thing to do. To, like, suppress truth. To, because I feel like he would be more in line, this version of him. But, like, be more in line with, like, she has the traumatic experience of not only the car accident, but, like, witnessing her dad, like, giving her up. Yeah. Somehow. And Charles continues to fight for her anyway, like he does in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about either. But, I mean, it does go, like, it is showing what Mystique is saying, where it's like, you're, like, we we, we should have been scared of you this whole time. Yeah. You know, you're putting blocks in her brain and you're like stopping this memory. I guess though it it just shows a character flaw in him. Yeah. Which is important for this movie. I kind of wish not not to be like over the top obvious, but I kind of wish I almost feel like a lot of this movie is fixed if they add your right right in, which is like he's kind of pursuing the fame with the X-Men and then maybe like to Mystique or to Beast, he also suppressed a memory or something like that. So there's, like, maybe more of a pattern. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. It's a, there's, you can go a lot of ways with it. I think that's why it's interesting to think about. But there's not, like, a clear solution. Yeah. Or even if there should be a solution. Yeah. Anyway, 
that's the that's the flashback that this movie starts with. Yeah. And then um we're in nineteen ninety two and there's a space shuttle that went wrong in space and the X Men are called on to go save the astronauts. There's a solar flare coming into the it's gonna hit hit it. Yeah. So they all our crew gets in their jet, goes up to space and do X Men stuff. Yeah, now here's what I want to say on this scene. They're they're doing a lot of like Nightcrawler teleporting them mm. into other spots. Cyclops using his beam at, with like a submarine thing that shooter. That was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> but like everyone's using their powers, and it's like to me that's that's when the X Men action sequences are the best. Yeah, when it's like oh, only this person can do that yes. thing. And but what I noticed, so I wrote like this is a very cool use of powers. Like I, I thought that the sequence was like cool in theory, but um. Tension-wise, no tension at all. I had a question that might be stupid. Okay. At one point, so so they, yeah, so they're do, using their powers to save the astronauts. I don't know if you're, spo- like, the whole time you didn't feel tension? Not really. Because when they first save all of the astronauts besides the one, I don't know if you're supposed to feel tension. It's just a routine job. Yeah. But, um, I think I felt a little bit of, a ten- little bit of tension when they had to go back for the other one and it wasn't going well. But it see, it felt like to me, this is, this is like first time director and it is. And, and maybe a studio that doesn't care to do another pass on this scene where it's like, well, you, you did, you like, you accomplished a goal. You did what you needed to do. We don't need to spend any more time editing this scene mm. where it's like, I feel like that scene in the hands of a more experienced director and a studio that's okay with sitting down and doing a couple of drafts that that scene would be like pretty intense. They're mm-hmm. out in space. You know who didn't do a darn thing? Well, who? During this time? Mystique. Uh, Mystique no, she or- was driving the plane. Mystique or Beast. They didn't do a darn thing. They're just sitting yeah. there in their cushy little chairs at their fat asses. Uh but they they were being the coaches. Um okay, but my question is so at one point they so they have to go save the last the captain and they need to take Jean with them. So mm-hmm. that she can use her powers to like repair, like to temporarily repair the shuttle, so that they can get the rest of the job done. Yeah. Um. She know where helmet. She know where helmet. Um. And that's space out there. Yeah. Uh. Well, I they have shown that she can like make a protective bubble. Because remember when she's in the Were car we crash, seeing the protective bubble when she was doing it. No, we weren't. Okay. There, whenever it's space stuff, it's a, it's a little like we we just have seen so many sci-fi I movies know. at this point in history that it is like like there was such care taken to put a helmet on Nightcrawler. I know, I know, but there was no protection taken against for, for her. Yeah, so I was a little confused. Yeah, but maybe there was a force field bubble thing. It's not it's not making or breaking the movie. It's just a question I have. No, but it it is. It speaks to like a carelessness, you know. Maybe, maybe not. I didn't catch the Charles thing later. So, um, but again, I really think this scene could have been full of tension, and it was not. But it was a good showcase of their powers. Yeah, especially Quicksilver. Yeah, well, I I do like. I mean, because we've seen at this point. Uh, I mean, we haven't seen the Flash yet. Uh, but we we've seen the Flash in, uh, in other movies. 
I guess really just Justice League. We've also seen Incredibles. Oh, yeah, but we can't compare those two. That's not fair to movies compared to Incredibles. Okay. Because those movies are great. Uh, But I I do feel like they they really did realize the speed power. Oh, and we've seen Quicksilver in Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, I feel like... this this version of the sp- speed and going super fast in a live action format like outdoes the rest, like no well, it's like contest. They, it's like they figured it out. Yeah, and that's just how it should be. Is it, how it feels. That's totally how it feels. And and even like seeing the trailers for the Flash and stuff, I'm like, oh, it's not as cool as that sequence where Quicksilver's, you know, running around the kitchen and stuff. Uh huh. Um. So I mean, I I would hope that that movie will have some breathtaking speed moments yeah but um we also have to you know watch ezra miller which is going to be a pain for everybody so let's not talk about it until we have to (laughs) yeah but guess what folks since we're having a baby and it's getting close that's getting close to uh the the due date guess what we're not covering the movie till later in the year when we're off maternity leave so we're gonna be moving a little too slow for flash at that point Thanks, baby girl, because, and I mean that because it's a girl. Um, thanks, baby girl, because guess what? You saved us from seeing Flash in theaters. Let's go. This baby thing is already paying off. <laughs> so, so Jean is doing her thing, and the solar, fl- solar flare starts coming in closer, and she notices it starts going towards the crew, and she pulls it into herself. Yeah. To protect everyone else. So she consumes the solar flare thing, and like almost dies basically, but she gets brought back. She's fine. She's alive. Um, so this is another question that I had. Okay. So I I love, it's just so funny and I, and I love it. I I think you do really at your heart. I think you love (laughs) X-Men because I don't know if that's true. I think you do. And I'm here's, here's my thesis for why, because yes, you want it to work. And, and it's not like when we did DC, where where you're just like, oh, and then they do this and that's dumb. You're you're always like, but why do they do that? Even when you don't like the movie. You're you're, you're like you're like, but did I miss something? And I'll I'll explain it sometimes or other times we try and figure it out and if we figure it out you're like, okay. Okay, well, okay, that works then. So I think in your heart you are an X-Men fan. Okay. That doesn't mean that you're a fan I of all the read movies, but one X Men comic. <laughs> so I still think if oh man, if I could get you reading X Men comics, you you'd plow through those things, man. Sorry, I'm too I'm too deep in the trenches of War and Peace. That is literally true, which makes me feel like an idiot because I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and read Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, so Charles sets up those barriers in her mind to protect herself yeah. from a deeper. Uh, more uncontrollable, scary power. Uh-huh. Um, and this thing that she consumes, it, like, activates it. It's so powerful, it, like, breaks down those walls. Yeah. That's kind of what they say later. Yeah, I think so. Okay. But I think it also, like, amplifies the powers as well. Because that thing just feels like a source of power. Mm-hmm. Like a pure source of power. Yeah, something like it. I mean, they, they, they clarify that it's drawn to her at some point. And Probably the, and, because of that thing within her. And then the the Chastain um, monsters are like, we can use you to create a new world for our people. Mm. Yeah, remains to be seen. 
<laughs> so, uh, okay, so she's fine. She actually feels great. She's like, oh, man. New lease on life. Her readings are off the, literally off the chart. Uh, B says, I got to build a bigger computer to track you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's when we get into Mystique criticizing Charles for yeah. how he's handling the X-Men now. And one thing and, and then, okay. she says in a, in a movie that came out in 2019, a real, a real movie and, and a real conversation is she, she says all these serious things about Charles, like kind of making them like, you know, uh, uh, mascots, like you said. And then she says, and have you noticed that the girls are the ones that usually do the saving? Maybe you should change the name to X women. Okay. So that I wanted to, <laughs> that I wanted to put my thumb on for a second. Yeah. Is it. that true? That the women have done all the saving in these movies? Yes. Um, Is it just clearly, because purely I can't remember. I don't... And Apocalypse, I think by the end, Phoenix does Dark Phoenix stuff. Yeah. Uh, So I guess she saved everyone. Well, let's, lest we forget that in Apocalypse, X-Men, or uh, Quicksilver did (laughs) save everyone in the mansion from exploding, which was probably a hundred people. Yeah. So that's one thing. Okay. Not not that I want to take anything away no, 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 from no, women, when, but when it said I don't that, think when it's, she said that it's like I haven't been clocking this. Is this true? I don't think it's accurate to what we've seen. I think it's been pretty like I mean they're a team. But I'm thinking usually big, it's like big, four people. Big have done main it. baddie fight scenes. Yeah. So like Dark Phoenix, I guess. Okay. Sure. What was the bad guy in Future Past? Uh. Oh, Mystique stopped the bullet from getting hit after she was convinced by a man. <gasps> um, and then and then in first class, I mean, they all kind of stopped the missiles or whatever. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with her. No, it seems no, it's kind of dumb. Well, uh, you can't say that. Oh, whoops. Um. <laughs> okay, so yeah, she criticizes him, and then um, Jean is having fun in her new skin um, yeah. with Scott. And I, I do agree that I think it was the Claremont quote, something that this movie movie can't do. And what yeah. the other movie also did not have a lot of time to do is establish a relationship between Gene and Scott. Well, th- this is like the, this is like the Bucky Barnes thing in the MCU. Yeah. Where it's like, where it's like every time the winter soldier shows up, it's like, Hey, all this character development happened off screen. And you're like, it would have been nice to see some of that. <laughs> yeah, you seem pretty cool, but I guess you're not cool enough. And then the next time you see him, it's like, hey, bunch of stuff happened to me in between those two movies. Now I'm like this now. And you're like, okay, I guess. Yeah. At least they got a show, though. He did get to develop character. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I just, I, in terms of, I, I just don't feel much chemistry between them. No, no. And he, he does have a little of the Pete Holmes like duck lips when he has the mask on, you know, you know, like when Pete Holmes is Batman and he's he's doing the <laughs> yeah, <that's> funny. <laughs> um, hey guys, if you haven't ever watched Pete Holmes college Batman humor. college humor sketch, it's so funny. Come on, everyone's watched it. At this I point. know, but maybe you haven't. And there's actually more than I always. Re- I feel like every time I look it up, I'm like, oh, there's another one I haven't seen. <laughs> I think there's like four or five of them. Yeah, there's now. a lot. But uh, they're very funny. They're funny. So Jessica Chastain. Okay, so we're there. These aliens come down, and there's just a random woman at a dinner party who's like, "How come our dog is barking?" 
She goes outside. Someone walks up. We turns get half into a her. glimpse of these people that were like tree people, and then all all of a sudden they like take the bodies of their victims, and it's like cool. So you barely spend any time. We're, we're just gonna get Jessica Chastain the rest of this movie. Yeah, I would rather look at the weird tree people. Yeah. And I know that they're not tree people, but I would rather ants. I, I would, they're, they're tree herders. I would rather they're not trees. They're tree herders. I think that I would rather, for sake of creativity and something different, uh, this is a loaded thing I'm about to say because Oscar Isaac was abysmal in Apocalypse. Yeah. But I would almost rather, in this movie, give us the uh, cool-looking aliens over. Jessica Chastain, who you paid too much Whoa, money to get. wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. You're telling me that you didn't think it was cool when Oscar Isaacs held the TV and, and said slowly learning? No. Oh, okay. And he looked really bad is what I'm getting at. But well, I, those- I would almost rather just have, like, the the weird-looking aliens than, like, regular people well, who here's- don't have a emotion. Here's what I'm they so should have done. Here's what they should have done. Uh, if these were going to be scrolls, now I know that this changes everything, but but they could have taken the scroll approach of Ben Mendelsohn in Captain Marvel. He's all souped up in prosthetics, and he looks cool, and he gets to do a performance, and it's great. Mm-hmm. And that's a good movie. But it sounds like they didn't have the time or budget or care to do that. Yeah. So. Hey, here's a praise on the movie. Mystique looks normal and good again. She does. She looks Beast, really Beast good. Didn't look too bad either. So yeah, not, he's not great all the time. But I, I don't think his design is good. I think that's no. the problem. Yeah, uh, which seems weird because I don't know. I every time I see him in the comics, I'm always like, he looks amazing. And I, I'm I'm sorry, Cody. Love you, love you, guy. But I just there's work. a lot of Nightcrawler in this movie, and all I wanted was Alan Cummings. Yeah. So, I almost would rather Nightcrawler wasn't in these movies. At I all. know. I I hate to say it because it feels blasphemous, but yeah. Are there, I know this is a change of subject and it would be hard to think of these off the cuff, but are there any actors that you can think of right now that you were like, oh, if MCU is starting from slate one, I would want this actor to be in that role. Oh, for a certain X-Men? Yeah. Oh, I I don't know. Daniel Radcliffe sounds like a fun pick. For Wolverine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. But um, I don't know. Do you have any? I don't. You know what would be, uh, you know what? If they got Daniel Radcliffe... Rad, Radcliffe. He's rad. Yeah. Um, for Wolverine, uh, it would be cool, and I'm being genuine about this. Think about the structure of these movies. They're supposed to be in a school and everything. If they got Rupert Grant to be one of the X-Men, and they got Emma uh, Watson to be one of the X-Men as well. I think that would be cool. That would be a bad choice. I think that, why wouldn't that be cool? Because you're that is so distracting. You can't do that. Yeah, you can. You can't. You shouldn't. They're though. old you, enough. You, you can do it. I, I just think that's a big mistake. Okay. I really thought you were going to connect to that. No, it's it's just too... They've been in nine movies together. Nine? Eight? Eight, yeah. As best okay. friends. Oh, no. Here's one. Here's one. He, he's still probably too young. This is a serious one, though. Henry Melling as Charles Xavier. Are you As Charles Xavier, yeah. though? Yeah. Are you sure... That, I'm throwing it out there. I don't know if I actually agree with that, <laughs> but put him in the movie just in general. Actually, he would be a good beast too. He would be a great beast. Yeah. I, I'm shooting off the cuff. Okay, I'm not. Okay. I'm not. I'm not like not saying no to Harry Melling. Yeah, 
He's always a yes. I don't know about Charles though. I just think he could he could be like think think of him playing Charles like not not sweet and not kind of harsh and aggressive like James McAvoy, even though he's not like that aggressive. But think of him playing it a little bit off. Like if he was Charles Xavier, but a little bit off. I kind of like it. I, I kind of love it. I don't think we want that, though. <laughs> we kind of do. I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think you know what you're asking for. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of somebody, but I, I, don't, I don't really got nobody. Tough. Yeah. A lot of the actors I'm thinking of, it's like, oh, they were in a Marvel movie. Yeah. They were in a Marvel movie. They were in a DC. They were in a, you know. That's the, why I think. It, the Rock as Charles could work as well. No. Um, but <laughs> it, it's probably smart to, to like, do a, a smattering of, of, un, of people we don't yeah. know. Like a, a fair amount. You got to smatter the unknowns. It's, it's, yeah, a smattering. Who, who, okay, here's, here's another one. Then we'll move on. You, you have to put him in the movie. As as one of the main X Men, Kieran Culkin. Who do you have him? Who do you have him play? You have to cast him. It's like the it's like his dad or something is like the studio head, and he's like, you have to cast him in the movie. Um, <laughs> I, as a main person, it's got to be one of like the X Men. The only one well, that comes to mind. Colossus. <laughs> the only one that comes to mind would be Quicksilver because he can be like a little goofy oh, yeah, and a little like smart assy. Yeah. But I just can't imagine that person sitting through makeup. No, what you have to do is you have to cast uh the the main cast of succession has to be the X-Men. <laughs> so it's like it's like um uh what's his name? The the main guy. Brian Logan. Cox. Brian Cox, he's Professor X. I think uh, he'd be Magneto first. No, no, no. He has to be Professor X, even though he's in X2 as another character. Um, Tom has got to be Nightcrawler. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's stop. Okay, so where where are we at? Jessica Chastain has become an alien. Yeah. And then there's a party in the forest where they play music from the late 2000s, 2000 teens instead of 1992. And, like, what is this person's mutant power? This is, is she- Dazzler, of course. Oh, you know who this is. <laughs> Yeah, I know who Dazzler is. And what I, does Dazzler do besides just dazzling the socks and pants off people? Well, let me pull up Dazzler. Um, Dazzler Marvel. I don't remember her powers exactly, um, but let's see. She's a superheroine. Um, she Here's her, her abilities. Ability to convert sound into light of various forms and intensity. Uh, polarizing eyes and preventing blindness and dazzlement from light trained singer actress and dancer that's under her abilities highly skilled athletic uh and hand-to-hand fighter highly accomplished roller skater Ooh, fun so she can make light energy uh light projection ultraviolet light light beam light okay, shield done. sound release and echolocation so yeah wow. that's a pretty impressive x-men um so yeah there is a backwoods party kids are drinking having fun and gene has a moment yeah uh, like a burst of power energy yeah and uh and then that's that's when like she's she's put in the mansion and she that that's when like charles goes into cerebro with beast and mystique and they're like 
you put up these guards on her. You know, we kind of talked about right. it. And then and then uh, they all discover, as well as Jean, that her father is still alive. And then she flees, and Charles. she's too powerful for Charles to track anymore. Yeah. Now, here's something the movie doesn't really do. They, they don't do a good job at establishing who Jessica Chastain is. No. So, for example, in this scene, I wrote, Power of Phoenix will make white hair resurrect race. <laughs> because I don't know what her name is. Uh, Vuk or something. Which Vuk? they say so late in the movie. Because I was, yeah. like, waiting for them to explain who this person was. The, the, the bad guys, as we've already said, could not be more forgettable. They could not be more inconsequential to this story. Yeah. They suck ass they're so bad they suck major ass and they i just wish that they had established more what they were after i know that they're like they want to resurrect their race but like give me give me a reason to either root for them or not root for them like right away and i am tired of this i'm yeah, tired yeah. please hit this of hit bad, it harder hit it harder <laughs> i'm tired of bad guys being emotionless it does yeah. not work anymore we like get, give me a like you just said give me a reason to hate them or love them but don't give me a reason to not care about them which is yeah ex- they do throughout the whole movie i have no reason to care for them and they just all of them don't have emotions and like to the point Has where that ever worked i can't i don't know i keep usually, thinking of like for I, me personally I, it usually sorry. doesn't yeah I keep thinking of iconic villains and everyone that I have has like certain things that they do that are strange or, or they like really care about something. I can't off the top of my head. I'm not thinking of any villain. That's like, I don't care about any of this. This had to have been one of the easiest acting jobs for Jessica Chastain ever in her career. Yeah. She just said things with no emotion Yeah, to the point where at the end of the movie, the, the fight scene, She's like, your emotions make you weak. And it's like, really? This is what this movie's going to be about being emotional? <laughs> yeah. It, but, like, the whole movie wasn't really talking about that. That felt like such a, like, guy Rewrite? guy wrote a feminist message. Yeah, because it's like, th- we're giving women a chance to throw tantrums. That That's, like, how it felt. But, like, throughout yeah. the whole movie, it wasn't, the movie wasn't about, her like, emotions c- controlling her emotions or some, whatever. And it is a little different when, like, if you can't control them, it will, like, murder a planet. That yeah. is kind of different than, like, having emotions. <laughs> it was very weird. But, yeah, so when, when she said that, she's like, you you don't, like, you need to be emotionless. I'm like, really? And then she's, her response is like, no, my emotions are my strength. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this was not a woman writer for sure. Because <laughs> that's just such a, like, fake message. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so so Jean goes tracks down her father. <laughs> I just the the note I wrote here. Charles lied about the father for some reason. Dad abandoned her. That's a wrap on Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> That's right. <my laughs> I know. Okay, so this scene I actually like this scene. Yeah. Um. So Jean goes to her father, um, and she. Not only is it the first time seeing her father since the day of the accident, she quickly realizes that her dad did not want her. Yeah. So, like... That's hefty. That's pretty hefty. Not hefty, wi- hefty. Not whippy, whippy, whippy. Wow, wow. <laughs> um, and she, d- yeah, just sees in their home all these pictures of her mother, but no pictures of her. And he tells her that day of the car accident, my life died, and you died with it, basically. Yeah, that's good stuff. Heavy stuff. And so... 
she she gets emotional, believe it or not. <laughs> and <laughs> the the X-Men show up, they track her down, and they're trying to plead with her, like, we're here to help you. Yeah. She's like, I don't believe you guys anymore because Charles, the person I trusted most, kept something from me. I get that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the a fight scene ensues. I like all of this. I think it all yeah. looks good. I love the Quicksilver part most. Yeah. Where he's running they after They put that her. in the trailer. That was like a money shot for the trailer. It looked so good. Um, so just her powers are showcased that they're so much stronger than everybody else's now. Yeah. Um, you great know, great funny, demonstration. In the trailers, just the way they had it set up, I was convinced in my brain that like it was a low budget movie because it looked like there was a fight scene by a house and then a fight scene that just involved involved a helicopter in the distance with Magneto. And I actually thought they were the same fight scene. Oh. But that's like kind of all the trailers showcased and then like the astronaut scene. And it, it looked kind of like a low budget movie. And and I think well, when you're watching like the it too. Advertising didn't have what they needed. Yeah, yeah. But didn't it but have it, manpower. I, I do kind of feel like this movie feels like the the least um not that I, I I don't necessarily need the movie to be epic and big, but the set pieces are very small, mm-hmm. and I don't know that that's bad. I, I like I'm that just pointing this it out. Particular set is small for this part. Oh of, yes, part of the movie. Yes, yes, yes. Um. So yeah, then Mystique gets in the way and is trying to convince her further stuff, and she gets killed. And the first thing I said was, "Wow, Jennifer Lawrence got out of her contract," but apparently she was already out of it. Yeah. But um, well, no, she signed a new one. I just remember in the last movie. Well, she in the, she was in the last movie. Yeah, but she, remember they like CGI like all of her matrix. Jennifer makeup. Lawrence could not look more uninterested in yeah. being in that movie. She looks like Michael Keaton in the new Flash movie. So when she died in this movie, I was I was happy for because this is clearly what she wanted. She was good in this movie. Yeah. Um. But this is clearly what she wanted was to be impaled on stakes and yeah. die. By the way, uh, just because I never followed up with you on this. So, you know, I watched the Flash trailer on my phone and I was like, this actually looks kind of cool, except for my like things that I don't like about it already. Um, But when we saw it in theaters, which is funny, I had the opposite reaction of usual. I was like, oh, this doesn't look good. Mm. It it really because I'd heard other people say this and I hadn't felt this way when I watched it on my phone. But uh, it. I think Michael Keaton is sleepwalking through this movie. He's in one second. I know he's in one second, but it just, I I think think everyone's right in that. Okay. He might be sleepwalking for this. He probably is, but. And good for him, honestly. Let's, let's let the movie come out and then people can judge it for all it's worth. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The Um, movie's not going to be good. Well, apparently, apparently it is good. Apparently it's not going to be. James Gunn said it was good. James James Gunn has to say that now. He's getting paid to say that now. Yeah, I just I I hope that after the movie comes out, the that the Rock will, you know, say something like, "I talked to my investors and I found out that you know in five years this movie actually will make a profit." <laughs> <laughs> and for those who don't know, yeah, the Rock a couple months after Black Adam came out with like an article and did like a I can't remember which which website but they they basically did like a puff piece that proved that the movie black adam will eventually make money (laughs) not not like it did but it will make money someday (laughs) so uh 
Professor X is so sad. He's a sad little boy, and he's and he's drinking alcohol. He's got decanters in every room, as you pointed out. And a room filled with and, and a house filled with children. He's got alcohol everywhere, I just know. laying about. I, I do kind of like the subtle alcoholism they've given him in this series, where they haven't necessarily pointed it out, but it's like, oh, he's an alcoholic. The, he has to dull the pain somehow. This is not, like, recreational. He He's always drinking. Um, And uh, then Be- th- this scene I like, where Beast is like, you need to admit you were wrong, Professor mm-hmm. Charles Xavier. Yeah. And he's like, no, I wasn't wrong. It's fine. And he's like, you have to. And he like smashes the whiskey glass and storms out. Mm-hmm. He goes all beast mode. <laughs> um, And <laughs> this note I wrote. <laughs> um, Yes. <laughs> so, so Jean has confronted her dad and then she goes off to Magneto. What's the note? But the note before that is um, white hair Chastain. She walks in to Jean's dad and she's like, you need to tell us something. And I I wrote, she gives Jean's dad the biggest titty twister ever. (laughs) (laughs) Tis true, though. Which I I, I don't know if they were trying to imply that he's still alive after that, but she crushed his entire middle body. I don't know. Who cares what they did? Yeah. Um, So then she goes to Magneto's compound. Okay. Yeah. This was a tad confusing for me. Yeah, me too. Okay, cool. That being said, I thought it was fun. I like the set. Yeah, I like the idea of like the government has paid off, they, has they made gave like them a this section island. Yeah, for Magneto and oh, is it an island? I didn't. It catch looked that. like an island when they were doing the establishing shot. Okay. Um, I think I also assumed that because they had to get there by helicopter. But there, there. It must. There's a famous Magneto Island in the comics, so I'm sure it's Micah. That. I think this is it. Yeah. So he, yeah, it's like a sanctuary for mutants that the government. Of, uh, there's just that poses so many questions for me. Yeah. That this man who has like been a bad guy in so many different cases at this point. Yeah. Yeah, he's helped, but he's also like oh, always has he helped? Yes. Gone back to like his own motives and serving his own purposes yeah so what what drives the government to like give him just a piece of land with where, where it can be like a safe haven for mutants yeah and how is this not like some kind of cult situation where he's gonna make all of them rise up and take over the world you're right that was the fr- that was like the immediate I, thought i, I think you've posed questions that make sense we actually have yeah we haven't been given uh the tools to see that he has given up on his mission. No, because I like, well, his like fourth family died or something. Cause remember they always kill his family in every movie or something. Well, it's like, like I, that. I understand that throughout the movies, they've like beaten him down, but also the guy is a freaking Holocaust survivor. Yeah. And I, I like, I don't think you can beat this person down. Yeah. So I, I, like, are you guys constantly monitoring him, but he's clearly not a prisoner. Yeah, you're right. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Not that they necessarily have to answer all those questions, no, but it's just, but he is yeah. a like a main character. Yeah. You know. And and you know what I got to say it's it's wild and crazy to say this. But and and I don't want this to be the case for the future, but it does feel like you have to have Wolverine or these movies aren't good. It's like he I mean he is the nucleus. And and maybe that's just with this branch. I, I hope that Feige can figure it out. 
Um, because I also feel like Hugh Jackman is part of that. It's not just the character Wolverine. It's not like, oh, I just need the character Wolverine. It's like Hugh Jackman, Wolverine. If you don't have him, then the X-Men movie is not good. The only X-Men movies that are good that don't have Wolverine are Deadpool. And they also have an actor that is like equally as charismatic and brings as much to the role as Hugh Jackman brings. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's not good that Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix don't have wolverine and and it just feels like the movies don't have a lot of character mm-hmm. having said that you know this movie is the best of those but i gotta still. say here comes michael fassbender again confusing everything yeah he was good in this movie i yeah. liked his performance yeah. in this movie when i all could kind of go either way on him but yeah i i think just out of the other ones we've had yeah this is the obvious best one for me yeah i i think I think having finished it, it, it is funny because I still see, you know, like look at Letterboxd reviews or whatever, and people are still like, man, but Michael Fassbender just really carries these movies and stuff. And I'm like, I, I think he shows up, he does his job, and he tries to do his best. I, I don't think this is anything to like note, though. I, no, I, I agree with that. I, still. I really, I really don't think, I, I don't really understand that that line of thinking that like, oh, these, these four movies aren't good, but Michael Fassbender like exceeds the material. It's like Michael Fassbender has like the it factor, but no one knows what to do with it. Yeah. With his career is what we're slowly realizing. Maybe not so slowly anymore. Yeah. But I did find out that he has been cast in the new Nancy Myers movie. Ooh, that's fun. (laughs) It, the cast is bonkers uh was uh, oh, it a huge cast keep keep talking but but they like announced the cast and i'm like okay what's the movie about i don't know it you know probably somebody building a kitchen or something awesome like that but um <laughs> somebody building a kitchen and they fall in love something like that i think so uh okay keep keep t- oh yeah oh, so, oh i got it already uh <laughs> so this is uh it's called paris or paris paramount a filmmaking duo who after falling in and out of love reunite on set to work together again Prime Nancy Meyer stuff add to watch list. Uh, you got Scarlett Johansson, number one. Number two, you got Michael Fassbender. Number three, Owen Wilson. And number four, Penelope Cruz. That's the cast Whoa. that was announced today, I believe. Okay. Uh, so I'm like, yeah. I could go for a good romantic comedy. I know. It's been a little bit. Yeah. Funny enough, though, I, I don't know that I've really. Well, The Lost City was a good one. And that wasn't that long ago. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, I don't know that I. Well, I guess I guess she did Parent Trap, right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She, I I listened to her Blank Check, yeah. but I actually haven't seen all of her movies. Yeah. So I I like kind of feel an attachment to to Nancy yeah, yeah, Myers, yeah. even though I think I've only seen. Well, she's two written movies. a lot. She's written more than she's directed, right? I think you're right. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, she's kind of cool. That's funny. Okay, so we're at the compound. But the holiday is not good. No, 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 no. We're at the compound of Magneto. Jean shows up and she comes to him seeking advice because he's a bad guy and he's killed people. How does he get over it? Yeah. And I, I really like the scene between them. Yeah. Where he's he's asked her several times whose blood it is. Yeah. She doesn't. I just. She she doesn't answer him. Their their conversation hits a very uncomfortable point, and he's like, "I have to ask again. Where's whose blood is that?" Yeah, and she never tells him it's Mystique. Yeah, love all that. Um, and he can't help her. 
Yeah. Um, but also she's not being very forth. It's just, it's good. So then yeah. the, um, the government shows up the army or whatever. Yeah. And they're looking for Jean. Um, and they know that she's there, but Magneto is, you know, you know, he has he's, like he's, diplomatic he's, immunity he, or something. But he's like used that. to like you know being met with hostility by the government. Yeah. So he doesn't want. He he's like they're like our problem is not with you. We just yeah. want the girl. And then she starts terrorizing the army. Yeah. And Magneto's trying to like protect them. Um. And do you see that she is much stronger than even Magneto? Yeah. And they're they're and doing... then they fly away in a very funny way. <laughs> Because all the guys are trying to jump back into the helicopter. This made both you and I laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Magneto's like, jump in. I can't hold it much longer. And that's like, wee! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Um, And then Chastain finds Jean at a bar. And she's yeah. like, yo, listen to me. I can help you with your power. Everybody's tr- turning away. You're and using guess- too much emotion to... Ah, dang yeah. it, you beat me to the punch. And so, um, gives Jean's dad the biggest, oh, no. <laughs> oh man, the wine is kicking in. Okay. Um, yeah. So who says this? You're always sorry. And there's always a sp- speech, but nobody cares anymore. I think they say that. Magneto. I think. Magneto says it to Charles or? I think he says it to Charles. Yes. He says there's. So, yeah, he says, you're always sorry, and there's always a speech, but nobody cares anymore. And I was like, that is the perfect encapsulation of how people feel about these movies. Yeah, yeah, that's when they meet, uh, both meet in New York at the same time to try and get Gene. So, um, Chastain convinces Gene to like come with them if she wants to live. (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm just going to cut to this part. But we get the whole giant exposition scene of what the solar flare was and the weird aliens that yeah. we don't ever get to see, which is so lame. So, like, these aliens' planet was con- destroyed by this solar flare thing. And they've been on this quest to try and find the thing that destroyed their planet to control it and create another one. As one does. Okay, that was pretty confusing. <laughs> and so, for some reason, uh, that so they, they've tracked it to Gene. It's uh-huh. in Gene. And they're just like, oh, but you can do it for us now. Because it's in you. There's just a lot of um, <laughs> connecting dots. And I feel like they've skipped over many dots to get there. And And that might be, you know what? We need this movie to be under two hours. Yeah. It's, we don't care. It's not going to connect to the MCU. We need more show times. Don't make this over two hours. Yeah. Cause it, it you it, just have to roll with it. It does feel like there's 15 to 20 minutes of this sitting on the cutting room floor that make this. Uh, but also I don't want more. No, I because don't. Because I don't want to spend any more time with these no. bad guys. And you know, the X-Men movies all have been pretty short. Yeah. Uh, save for like two of them mercifully yeah um now i am gonna give you the floor jordan uh so that you can tell people what you thought about the dreadlock (gasps) gosh they could have picked any x-men they could have flipped open the any issue of x-men and just like closed their eyes and pointed their finger at any of them and yet they chose 
this man whose dreadlocks are like sentient whips. Yeah, like Medusa. Oh, gosh, it looks so freaking bad. And I'm not talking Medusa Greek mythology. I'm talking Medusa Marvel Comics, baby. There's a Medusa Marvel Comics? Yeah, and her hair whips around. You turn people to stone? She whip her hair back and forth. Uh, no, she whips her hair back and forth. So she doesn't turn people to stone? No. She's an inhuman, of course, so that might explain what? it for you. What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, she's an inhuman, you know, just like Black Bolt. I can't. I can't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Magneto's crew starts fighting um, Charles's crew <laughs> as they're both trying to get to Jean. Um, the other girl, there's this other mutant that's on Magneto's team, and I couldn't quite understand what she was doing. She clearly, like, can track mutants. But at one point, like, she, Charles, for, the, like, the whole fight has her frozen. Uh -huh. But, like, before that, she's like, you're not the only mutant who can control minds. And it's like, oh, so you're just Charles. You're, you're yeah. like, Professor X's same powers. I think so. That's kind of boring. So we're going to see <laughs> another person have the same powers when Jean also has the same powers <laughs> as Professor X? More or less. Now, uh, yeah, not to blow past that. That is funny. And you're right. Um but but one thing that I, I am going to praise this scene, I think it's a terrible action sequence. It looked terrible. The, the effects were, like, unbelievably bad. It was, a, it was pretty hard to follow. It was, it was terrible, but I liked the setting of the battle. Same. Again, kind of a small set, though. Kind of a small set, and it was a little refreshing, like, seeing the just waiting traffic outside of an apartment, and there's a battle. Yeah. It... it you know what was kind of nice was it wasn't like, here's an open plane where we can fight. It was like, oh, no, if you don't do things right, you're going to hit a pedestrian or yeah. something. But there's also no pedestrians to be seen for some reason. Well, like There's no civilians in Scott all these like, cars. He's shooting it's his like, laser beam at cars. It's, it's like, it's, dude, you can't do it's that. bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic, and there's no one inside the vehicles. Except the one time Scott shoots a car with his laser beam, <laughs> and it's like, dude, you're going to hit somebody. <laughs> An innocent person. But there wasn't anyone in the cars. They didn't even have shadows okay. as far as I remember. So Magneto gets in first. Yeah. Um, And is trying to kill Jean but doesn't succeed. And she starts squeezing his helmet. Now think Nacho Libre. She does Magneto squeeze. Okay. <laughs> okay. Funny. That was my joke. Doesn't succeed. Now this... Okay, here's some. I have a huge qualm with this next scene. Charles. Oh, we, we didn't mention, though, that Beast is like on Magneto's side from here on out or in this moment. Oh, is he? Yeah, because he's like fed up with Charles and he loved Mystique too and goes to Magneto. Yeah, that's right. I do like that development. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, So Charles shows up and here's, here's something I just didn't like. I, I thought it was bad. Gene goes from, I'm confused, I don't know what to do with myself, to, I'm going to openly humiliate this person who, I, who I've spent so much time with. She makes Charles walk. And he's like, you know I can't do that. And then she, like, psionically, or whatever you want, telepathically, like, makes him walk up the stairs. And I, I just think thought... think that was too far? I, I just thought it was so out of line for a character who's confused to be like, not only am I confused, but I'm actively going to humiliate you. And I don't, I, I'm not convinced that Jessica Chastain's character like corrupted her. All she not did yet. was like, can She's you help us out? She's putting the seeds of doubt in her. But, she, but she's just kind of asking for help. 
Yeah. More than anything. But no, it's it's making her just do like a really awful thing to someone. Yeah. So I I, I thought that was dumb. But she stops. And then they're all captured. And I honestly don't even remember how that happened. I think that just in the in the commotion of everything, the police showed up and they're like, got you guys. Here are these collars that take away your powers while you wear them. We're putting you all on a train. Yeah. And then we get another fight. Where yeah. the They're all wearing MCU badges, by the way. Yeah. That mutant, was kind of strange. Mutant control unit. Okay. Um, That's my guess. But the aliens come to track track down Gene, um, and the mutants are freed by one of the army dudes. This scene's okay. Yeah. Again, it's different. One thing to point out, ill-defined powers of alien race. I don't know what yeah. their powers are. They're regenerative and super strong, I guess. But then, like, Jessica Chastain's character is, like, uh, um, emulating other people's powers and it's like you can't do that the apocalypse guy did that <laughs> and his powers were indeterminate too well but did you catch with apocalypse he touched a tv and learned everything you got it it's so annoying <laughs> to even bring it up <laughs> so you did catch that though yeah so then in this scene too nightcrawler goes like rogue <laughs> and starts like killing straight up killing and and that was very weird because they they again that seems like there's a cut scene yeah because he 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 sees that that the MCU people are, you know, like kill like kill some or one of the aliens kills somebody and he's like he has this moment where it's like no, I'm not going to take this anymore. You can't do this and he just starts like brutally murder, murdering these aliens. And it it just felt like I, I I don't know, it just felt like there's a missing scene where he either reckons with that or maybe before he goes, you know, I'm this like Catholic person, but you know what? I have to murder or something like it they just felt throw so away weird. The religious stuff with him with this in the series, but um, they only did it in, in the, X2. Yeah. They never did it with that's this new so iteration, good. but I so, think that's part of what's interesting about Nightcrawler. Yes. This is faith. Well, in this scene though, at the beginning when they're all locked up, one of, as the army dudes are walking by them, one of them says to him like, or in his general direction, like my kids, my kid was a big fan of you. Yeah. Like disparaging comment. And then that's the same guy who freed everyone, all of the mutants, to let them assist in fighting. And maybe th it's when that guy got killed that Nightcrawler's like, no, we are superheroes. And I'm going to yeah take a stand about it. Make a stand. Hmm. I don't know. Mind you, just for the record, in, in the comics, his, his faith is very front and center. Yeah. I, I think you don't really have an, a comparison and maybe that's what's missing from this version of Nightcrawler is you have to have that faith component. There's that's no, so there's, interesting. There's no time though. Uh, yeah, there could be. There could be, but there's not. Could have been less time with Apocalypse and more time with Nightcrawler and yeah, X Men three point two. Hmm. Uh, so then then they have, um, you know, one of those classic energy battles that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Where where Chastain is like pulling out the energy of Jean, and she's sucking it in, and then she's like, she says, "My emotions make me strong," and kills her, almost kills Scott, but then doesn't. And then 
Does she die? I mean, yes, but she's a phoenix, so she'll yeah. come back. And then and then they rename the school Jean Grey School for Gifted Youngsters. <laughs> that, wow. To which I said, and you laughed, I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Magneto and... Um, what Charles. is his name? Charles. They play chess together. And up in the sky, we see a phoenix soaring through the yeah the sky. <laughs> I I do like that they played chess again and yeah. made made friends and and it is it is absolutely unique and interesting that there are seven mainline X Men movies and Magneto, a villain, the villain, is in every single se- seven of them. Yeah, or every every single one of them. Yeah. I think that's something very unique about this series. Mm-hmm. But it's not over, folks. Do you, do you have anything more to say about this so. episode? We'll say a little bit more so I can pull up the calendar and see what... I just am uh, uh, pleased that I did not... I, I'm going to say it. I didn't hate this movie. I don't think I liked this movie. Yeah. I think uh, it's... Like we've said, it's definitely the best one out of these four. Like, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I, I. It's not nearly as bad as people led you to believe, but it's not a good movie. Yeah. I don't like this movie. Yeah, it's not offensive like but, the but other it's, ones it's are. It's watchable. Yeah, I, I I will never watch Apocalypse unless again unless someone pays me money to do so. And I mean, I'm not saying like a certain amount of patrons or something like that. I'm saying someone needs to give me cash money on the spot. Um. And I think it have to. You'd have to start at fifty. That's it. That's it. Well, just think of it. I mean, that'd be twenty five dollars an hour. That's pretty sweet. No, that's not enough. Okay, hundred bucks, and I'll watch Apocalypse again. I'll take Cash App too. So just text me and let me know. Um, okay, so next week it is the New Mutants, and then we're done with the X Men. Can you believe it? Yes. And and we'll detox all all things X Men next episode. So even if you think I don't care to hear about New Mutants, we'll be giving our rankings. And and I think it'd be fun to kind of talk about how we feel about the series overall, as mm-hmm. we usually do on our last episodes. On Patreon.com/slash Micah McCaw M I C A H M C C A W, you can download this month's episode on Kickass Two. Uh, also, a month or two months ago. Uh, I released the entire Sun Gun 10-year anniversary concert to $10 patrons and above for my band Seons, and that was crazy. Uh, I found all that footage, and I was able to edit it into a concert footage, concert film. So check that out. Um, now, one thing before we go. We got, two ep- we got one episode left, so I think we need to tell people what movies they need to start getting from the library. Mm-hmm. Because we got a new series coming up. Mm-hmm. Now, the first series we covered this year was a series called The Man With No Name Trilogy. And Jordan and I just got the itch for Clint Eastwood. And we thought, is there any way we can cover another portion of his career? And we found a way, just as it life finds a way. And what series are we doing next, Jordan? Dirty Harry. All right, see you next week. Bye. Bye.